Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Thank you again, Renee, yes. for uh, uh, you know being here with me in the fabulous ring room. It's great to be here, back here uh, next to the uh, the the uh, Hard Rock Hotel. What's left of it? What's left of it? Uh, which is getting ready to fall. Yeah, you know, it's a mess. It's it's a mess. And Holy good thing cow. this city doesn't have earthquakes. Oh, I know. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. if this city had earthquakes, man, that thing should have been down like weeks ago. Yeah, but, yeah. Just uh, just the uh, the tremors. The, yeah, what do they call them? The, the aftershocks, or aftershocks, or, yeah. or pre shocks, or something. Uh, yeah, would have crumbled it. Oh yeah, powderized definitely, it. definitely. You know, we'd be you know buying beach property right. Right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's hanging by a thread as it is. You know. Well, it, yeah. It's it's kind of like my balls are hanging by a thread. <laughs> okay. <you know? laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's a sight to see. It is. And for the troubled, troubled Nation, we're here doing these shows for you under, you know, yeah, the... Yeah, in, in the, uh, the shadow. Of, the shadow of, of, of a building that could collapse any second right, right now. Right, right. Yeah, we're taking, on our, us. taking our lives in our hands. Yeah. But, you know, we like to live dangerously. So, uh, yeah. you know, we, we rode with Manny tonight. So. Right, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's you, always dangerous. Right, right, yeah. right. Shows you we're, 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 it's not for the faint of heart. So, you know, the yeah. building about to collapse on us is, is nothing for us. No, and no. Especially when, right. you know, we're doing it all for you, the troubled nation. Well, you know, well, I don't want to talk about it. I'll talk about this later. Uh, okay, but, um, all right. Um, but uh, how is how have you been? You've been all right? Um, I, I've, I've been good. You know, I had something I was going to talk about last week. It's, it's a bit of a, a grievance that I was going to air. Um, so I have these tenants, and I, I get a note from a tenant on Sunday morning, and they say, uh, the hot water is out. There's no hot water. Is there something I could do? And it was that weekend where we had a very windy, stormy night before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I said, yeah. well, the pilot light probably blew out on the hot water heater. Right. I said, um, give me a call and I can talk you through lighting it. So that was like 930 in the morning. So then about 2.30, I don't hear anything back from her. Then about 2.30 in the afternoon, I get a text from the, the male who lives. It's two girls and a guy that live in this apartment together. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Three's Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and you're Mr. Roper. I'm Mr. Roper. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, so, uh, so the guy texts me... Um, I'm not really trying to fool with a hot water heater, so maybe you could do it when you come look at the toilet. Oh, so now this is a toilet problem. <laughs> and I said, well, what's wrong with the toilet? He said, well, it's still not uh, flushing. I said, it's not flushing. And he goes, well, it's not. The tank's not filling up. So, okay, that's the first I'd heard of that. I mean, okay. they mentioned something a few weeks before, but then they said, right. no, it, it, it's not. It's fine. So... I, I, just looking at that text from the guy saying, I'm, I'm really not trying to fool with a hot water heater. Right. I thought, you know, your girlfriend is, this is a group text between all of us. I can't imagine how much your, your girlfriend is drying up as she sees your, your inability to, to uh, take care of this very small matter. Right. And, and, and you told him that? No, no. This oh, is, I'm okay. just thinking this. I'm, oh, okay. I'm saying it to the nation right now. No, because oh, okay. I don't text anything uh, controversial with with the tenants. You know, they can say they say all kind of very smart mouth shit to me, and I just answer okay, or right, well, you know, I just should, keep yeah. keep it on the on an even keel because mm -hmm. you know. 
I could put them out at any time. That's what they don't, they don't seem to understand that, uh, you know, they, they live there at my pleasure, you know. But, uh, and it's fine. I'm not looking to kick anybody out, you know. It's, we, we got a good thing going. But I, I just thought, can you imagine having, uh, you know, no ability to do something even as minor as light a hot water heater and also no desire to learn even when someone's going to tell you how to do it? Yeah, I understand that. But as a landlord myself, uh, I've had tenants try to do it on their own. Yeah. And they've just totally made it worse. Okay. So I'd much rather have them call me and say, the pilot lights, I'm not getting hot water. I'll do it or I'll get get a professional and do it. I'd much rather do it that way. I'm not talking... Because I, I had a couple of tenants who tried to fix... Tried like, some self-help. Yeah, they tried to fix something on their own, and it just made it worse. Okay. So don't do it. I'm the landlord. All You're right. paying me to make sure that these things work. Okay. So I'm not talking you through anything. And in fact, I, I don't really like texting much, so right. I, couldn't talk, I couldn't text someone through it Well, anyway. no, no, no. I was saying call <laughs> me, and I'll, I'll talk you yeah. through it. But no, it's so... Okay, no, I'm but, glad but I But I understand this. your point. Yeah, this is a guy... Who, who's, you know, supposed to be there for his woman. Right. And supposed to know how to make fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or feed, feed themselves, yeah, you know. Feed like, go out and kill. Right. And skin. And, and I think a, a woman on a molecular level hears a, 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 a man who's incapable of doing anything and just goes, ugh. Yeah. Well, yeah, I understand that <laughs> I too. That's, uh, you but know. there are those women like I've I've known you know like I you know I I know tons of women in my life sure. who who uh, like to fix guys. Yeah, yeah. So I've always so, been one of those guy, guys okay. that women like to fix. I so think you, they can fix, right? So maybe she's into that. Okay, all right. You now know? you know I'm glad yeah. I brought this up with you because I'm getting a lot more perspective. I'm getting okay. some. Uh, I'm always ready to learn and. I see your point, Manny. I think, right. you know, with, with such a nincompoop as this guy, I'm probably better off that he didn't try to do anything. Right, and, he, and I'm sure you're a lot older than these people, right? Uh, yes. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. a lot o- older yeah. than most people. Yeah, well, yeah. You're older than me by a couple of months, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're better off. Okay. I learned this because I was, I, you know, I was kind of just kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is, but, you know, I married my wife, and she owned this property, mm-hmm. and so I kind of just became kind of slid in there. Uh, I became the landlord, right. even though you were grandfathered yeah, in. Yeah, I was, yeah, grandfathered in, or whatever, however you want to say. Right. So now, and it's weird how um, you know it's my wife's property; it was hers for years, but now right. we we both own it. Yes. But now uh, it's funny how. They always come to the guy before they come to the woman. I know. Sexism exists. Look, yeah. it it's for yeah. sure happens, man. Well, no, before I even signed on the dotted line to, for us to be co-owners, and that, wasn't, that was just a few years ago. I mean, she's owned that house since the mid-'90s. Right. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, but we've been you know, married for 15 years or whatever. Uh-huh. They'd always come to me first. Yeah. Well, it's like... Don't talk to me. Talk to my wife. Talk to the boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk to her. What she's makes the, you think I'm running yeah, the show? She's the moneymaker. Yeah. You know, she, she does, yeah, exactly. So, you know, take, take this advice. I don't give advice much, but just hire a professional okay. or do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm you happy to do it myself. I, I, I went that afternoon and did yeah, it. Yeah, because you know. the worst thing, the worst case scenario is like if you're talking to this guy through lighting the, the pilot light, all of a sudden you hear... <laughs> <laughs> You know, and half of Miss City's on fire. Okay, you know? all right, man. Now, now I'm, I really am <laughs> learning know? something in this conversation. You know? Now, now I'm, I feel like I dodged a bullet with this one, actually. Yeah. Right. 
Because our last tenants, the one before the guy we have now, who's beautiful, he's a great tenant. Okay. Uh, was uh, those kids from Columbia? Those right. Two students from Columbia. They got married. They had a baby here, but they had to go back to Columbia. Right. Um, he was one of these kind of people who would like try to fix things on his own. Uh huh. And um, he told me, he goes, "Oh, Manny, you know, with his accent. Oh, Manny, uh, uh, there was something wrong with the uh, the flow on the toilet, the float, whatever they call right, it. Right. Yeah. So I fixed it. I said, No, no, don't do that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> if there's something wrong with it, you call me, and I'll fix it, or I'll have someone fix it. Uh-huh. All right? Because you can write it off. Yeah. You know, you can just write it off. Sure. Speaking of writing people off, our next yeah, yeah. guest, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. No, we don't want to write him off. <laughs> you know, we don't want to write him uh, off just He's yet. a gem, you know. Yeah. When, I, when, I, when I make lists of, of guests, he's, he's been right up there for a long time. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, we finally have, have landed him in the boat. Right, and because yeah. uh, he's a very busy guy, he's, he's very much in demand, and uh, but we finally got him. And so, is he a landlord too? Um, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but he is a homeowner. I'm a homeowner. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, as far as I can take it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, you it's, got a lot of responsibilities outside yeah, of the and property, pl- and, and you know, I, plus, you know, if my wife does not allow me to use any kind of. Uh, Tools, power tools, power tools, <laughs> yeah. even even screwdrivers and pliers. <laughs> lately, she lets you so drink right. screwdrivers. Right. <laughs> I'm older, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's keeping you on a short leash. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. Well, your your wife does do a, a, a tremendous job of she managing does. you. She yeah, does. Yeah. She does. So so let's get to, to and our, everything else around me. Right. Okay. Well, you know that's that's hey that, uh, mine as well. Um, Thanks. So. Uh, uh, Thanks to the ladies. Shout out to all the ladies out there. So uh, our our guest is a native New Orleanian, a legendary drummer and teacher. He's someone I've known since I'm I'm a child. Uh, I'm sure you all know him already. We'll get into all the details of his whole career and his life. But without further ado, Mr. Johnny Vodakovich. Welcome, Johnny. Thanks a whole lot for having me here. I appreciate it very much. Man, very much. It's so, so thrilling to have you. You know, I always think of like you as the quintessential New Orleanian. You have the, the, the great New Orleans accent or a great New Orleans accent. And so what neighborhood did you come from in, in Mid-city around Calton and Banks, you know, oh, right, okay. in the, right in the middle of the city. Calton oh, okay. and Banks, yeah. It's kind of... Like- it's kind of Dr. Lot. John's neighborhood, is it not? Uh, I think he, I think he might have been living up in that neighborhood at one time. You know, when he was young. Yeah, it's very possible. Yeah, so he went to Jesuit. He which went is to right Jesuit, there. so he went to school around it. So he was up in the neighborhood, but he he's about uh, I think Mac is about was about ten years older than me. Uh-huh. So you didn't? No, no, not quite. Did he didn't make it to eighty? Huh? How old was he when he died? Um, I, I, I think he was like maybe seventy-eight or something yeah, okay. like that. Yeah, so he was he's my father's age. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah, my father yeah, just yeah. turned seventy-nine. Yeah. Um, but but you went to Saint Aloysius High School. Right, because I got a scholarship to play music. Because most of my friends were going to public school, so they all went to like Warren Easton, you know, mm-hmm. Beauregard, Warren Easton. But but uh, in in the middle of uh, mi- middle school, when I was going to Peters over on Broad and Tulane, I got I got a scholarship to play music at Saint Aloysius because they had a big band, and, and that big band was an award-winning big band, and the drummer was a senior graduate graduating and they wanted to continue that this award-winning streak so 
you know, I, I, my teacher knew the band director teacher over at St. Aloysius said, you got to hear this kid play the drum, blah, blah, blah. I went to school, auditioned, and, but I didn't, we didn't have the money for me to go to, to that kind of school. So, so you know, I just live with my mama and my, grand, and my grandparents, and they were immigrants from Sicily. So he wound up giving me a four-year scholarship, and I, and I kind of turned my life from that, you know, broad and Tulane, right across the street from, from the jail. Yeah, that, yeah, I was right. just about to that's ask you. I was that... going to school, and yeah, that's where right. I was going to wind up the way I was going. You know? <laughs> yeah. And when I got that scholarship to, to you know, to play, play, play music, my whole life changed. You know, I, I, I got not out of that whole, whole hood mentality and right at the, you know, when I was 13, 14 years old. So that school's been closed forever, though, now. God, I mean, uh, yeah. uh, uh, St. Aloysius. Yeah, for, oh, across, St. Aloysius. From the courthouse, for across oh, the yeah, street. Yeah, 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 Peters, yeah, yeah. Peters, yeah. At the time I went, it was Peters. Then it, would, then it turned into something else. Yeah. But was... Um, What's, what's Caddy Corner, our favorite place? The, uh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Best Life best of restaurant, life. Best Life Restaurant and Pharmacy. Yeah, it's, was uh, that there? Was yeah, that yeah. there? <laughs> Are you familiar with that and, establishment, prob- They probably had his grandfather running right. under a different name. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes, but I'm familiar with that whole neighborhood. Yeah. Okay, Yeah, cool. it's a, we, we thought that's a genius combination of, of uh, services, you know, yeah, restaurant and yeah. pharmacy. Well, yeah, the yeah. best things in life, food yeah, and drugs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 you know, especially for a town like this, which yeah, yeah, you know they, loves they, their food and stuff. Yeah, they have that delauded poor boy. Right. Can't, <laughs> can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or the uh, soft shell Vicodin. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sandwich, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a uh, nation. Check out this place. Yeah, yeah. If you're Best ever of in life. town. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, get a script and go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it all. <laughs> um, so, but Saint Aloysius had a a. a, a huge musical tradition I, I as a kid when i was growing up i played with so many guys who had gone to saint aloysius and they hadn't maybe they'd gone to junior college or something but they really learned to play at saint aloysius and they were tremendous musicians yeah, yeah I, th- I think it, i think it was a combination of the band directors and two good ones in a row clem toka and then joe Bear. You know, oh, uh, Joe Abair was there. Yeah, that's what. Well, yeah, he he came back from New New York City to New Orleans, back home to teach at St. Aloysius because, okay. uh, you know, uh, New York City it was pretty hard. You yeah, know? and uh, his his wife was a nurse at the time. I remember that. But anyway, a- after Clem Tokel, who got me the scholarship and got me to, got got me in that school, after he he left. The, uh, Joe Abad got the job, and uh, Joe Abad proved. Then he got the job at at, at at Loyola, which I. Then you wound up going to Loyola. So was Joe yeah, Abad so, your teacher so, yeah, at, I, uh, at I, Saint Aloysius? I, th- I, th- I think the magic of that, of that school and the musicianship is, is a combination of not only the teachers, but a, a bunch of, of 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 kids growing up and learn learning during that process. You learn so. Much between the years of 13 and 17, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think just the combination of the students and in, in, in the way we were kind of like really teaching each other, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think that magic is what made it uh, 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 so uh, influential, right. like you were saying, and notorious, you know, n- notorious for having, you know, lots of bunch of good musicians, yeah, you yeah. know, you know, you know, and then, uh, and, and, and um, 
So I, I think it was a lot. Uh, uh, it was a combination of elements between students and teachers, and that's very important. Yeah. The relationship between a student and teacher, because that, that circular thing has to be happening. You know, it can't just be a great teacher. Now, the student has to be a great student to where he can let the teacher know that the information that the teacher's coming out with is having an, an effectual uh, 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 impact. Impact. And, and he's understanding it so that the teacher can know that what he's saying is, is you know... He's right, on, but he's besides the, right the influences of your instructors and stuff through that period, 13 to 17, what drummers, you know, you listen to outside of school? I mean, who was, like, who was something like a cool cat that you like to listen to? I mean, there's well, those outside influences. Yes, or, or? Well, yes, because I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, at that age and, and at that period of just learning, then you know, it's like almost anyone you see becomes, you know, the, right. the one you look at at that, at that point. And I right. remember be, being a kid, being influenced by this guy who played in a band around the corner in a funky bar with a funky band and I couldn't go in the bar but it didn't have air conditioning so the windows were open but I could sit outside and like have like a Coke and chips and I could see the guy's feet because the band was set up on top of the, uh, uh, on the, uh, risers, the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, on the I'd be looking through the window at the guy's feet. So for me, that was a very big influence. Huh. But do you remember the guy's on, name at no, all? No. I just sit on a tree trunk, go to this little side window, get a Coca-Cola, bag of potato chips, about a nickel, and sit on a tree trunk. This is about 1958. Okay. You know? and, and, and sit on a tree trunk for hours, man, and, and, and just look at this guy's feet and listen to the music, you know? Yep. And uh, but 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 then you were saying like yeah, okay who I, I'd be influenced a lot by AM radio yeah well that yeah okay you yeah. know so everybody was listening to that so in order to get with that you know you know I, I you know I, I made that a point to like make sure I was hip to what was happening on AM radio you know and you know which which, which uh, you know prepares you for any situation you get in that you hey we're going to be playing this so 1958. AM radio, who's, you know, who's, is it Elvis? Is it, uh... Elvis when I was very young and yeah, five and six and seven yeah, years old. But yeah. then I, I'm more, I'm more got into a lot of R&B and okay. funk was starting to come but around. But was that on AM radio? That it was music? just starting to come around. On AM, you know, okay. You know, you know, the, but the early pop music of uh, everything from uh, uh, Tom Jones, which really had a good backbeat. Mm -hmm. You know, but I, 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 I Pat Boone, I, I, <laughs> Pat Boone, yes, yeah. Okay. I, I made sure that I knew the tunes in case I was ever in a situation where I had to play it. Right. Yeah. Of course. So I mean, you know, at, at one, it, you know, once I got into the idea that I was learning music, then it didn't make a difference what kind of music it was. The yeah. idea was to understand it, be able to make it sound good and feel good, and be and be aware of it, and 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 and, and serve the music. There you go. You know. Okay. So that that's when I realized that my job is is not concerned. It's not important at all whether or not I like something or dislike something. That's totally unimportant to me. What's important is that my job, and that's to make whatever sound right. Sound good, feel good, you know, all of that. So to go back to what you're saying, you know, I mean, 
uh, a, a lot of Wilson Pickett. A lot okay. of Sam and Dave, a lot of Otis Redding, so Al Jackson, a lot of uh, uh, this is pre pre a lot of oh, okay. a lot of a lot of James Brown and and Ray Charles, lots of James Brown and Ray Charles, lots okay, of okay, cool, you know then 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 you know you know every you know you had your four tops, which is a little more popish, and you know uh, you know. Uh, they had, they had a lot of good music then. I was very much into R&B. Then, you know, the middle of the 60s came along, the Beatles came along, things changed a little bit with the Beatles. But cats down here, even the soul bands, even though they'd be playing Beatle music, they played, a, you know... Like New Orleans style. Well, almost, yeah. They yeah. tried, you know, they couldn't help but... Right. You know, put, put, put a feel on it, right. you know. My, my father talks about when he was a, a kid... The, or uh, not a kid, but a, a young man. You know, my father was probably you know early twenties when the Beatles broke. He said when we heard that, being from New Orleans, he said that music sounded primitive to us. He said it. He said we were used to, you know, those those uh, Cosmo Batassa records where you right. know they're arranged by you know Wardell Kazare and right. you know uh, all those guys, great musicians. You know, yep. and and he said that music, uh, you know, it's. So he so said we were. I, he wasn't into it because nope, I wasn't either. But I had. I had. I had to. I had to, you know, learn it. Right. Had to. You had know? to figure out what I, was cool about I, it I, and, I and thought, get with yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, right. I had to go. You know, figure out what was cool about it. You know, and that was just really with the Beatles but, was pretty easy because a lot of their songs was very linear and melodic. Yes. It, even though they were playing very vertical, and that's what I couldn't get into was it wasn't funky. Yeah. It right. was straight. You know, I, I, very downbeat orientated and repetitious. Right. Know? But weren't the Beatles just doing American music at the beginning? And so the Stones also? Well, just, well, yeah. Especially the Stones. Yeah. Yeah. They were just doing American music. Right. But, you know, New Orleans has its own insular music tradition that, that uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, they play, they, they play they're, 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 to me, they're, you know, they're, 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 their early in, interpretations of, of, of American music is very vertical, very European, you know, very, very straightish. Okay. You know? Where, uh, you know, like, if it, you know, the early New Orleans music was, you know, played off of syncopation, African syncopation, you know. It, it, it had its roots in African syncopation, and you, couldn't, you can't get away from it, and it's still that way today. Right. You know, it's uh, just something that's in the fabric of our molecular structure in, 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 in the very, you know, webbing between, that connects us all. Cool. You know? And that's that's not my that's just my father's take on his first reaction to it, the way it sounded to his ears the first you, time. You, you and know. your father are good friends, right? Um, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I would say we're, me and his father are good. Friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, I, I would talk about the first time I ever laid eyes on you. So my uh, father, I was. He's going to start to cry now. No, no, that's later. <laughs> Possibly, perhaps, perhaps it wouldn't be the first time, but. Uh, so I was like the band boy in my father's band. I must have been like nine years old or something. And, and he had, Eddie Punch was his drummer at the time. Okay. And uh, he, you came in as a sub. And you show up and you had a, a kick, a, a bass drum and a snare drum w with no cases and a ride cymbal and a hi-hat. And you pulled them out of your car and, and I thought, who is this guy? <laughs> what is he, his, look at his equipment. It looks like he just found this in a garbage heap or something. And my father goes, wait till you hear this guy play. And I go, okay. So then you set up and you started playing. And I was like, 
holy shit. And I'm looking at him and he's going, I told you, I told you. <laughs> With that one snare drum and the, and the kick drum and one cymbal, you got so many sounds out of that, that kick, I mean, that, that kit. And you, you were able to generate such a, a spell, such a, uh, you know, such a, a lifting thing. That I was going, oh, wow, that's incredible, man. And that's, I, I think, one of the one of the things you're known for, I mean, people will think of you as a jazz drummer, but really you're just a drummer. You're a musician. And, you know, uh, I recently read this, this thing. It was uh, notes from a talk that you gave to NOCA students. And, you know, a lot of what you talk about is, you know, the importance of listening, the importance of being present, the importance of, uh, you know, surrendering to the music and letting the music play you. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I remember. I remember. It. I know. I know what piece of paper you're talking about because later, later, uh, much later, Michael Polera gave me a copy of that. Evidently, he assigned all the students to uh, write write down the major things that they took from our our, cl- our workshop that I had at NOCA. Mm-hmm. And when I read them, uh, everything was exactly, you know exactly the way I feel, you know, so I know that what I was saying about, you know, the things about music, you know, trying to get people to, uh, you know, realize that the music, you are just a part of the music. The music is, has, it has m- many parts and you're a part of it. And uh, it, you, you really, you're, it's not really you creating yourself to the music. The music is a much bigger thing, and you're surrendering yourself to it, letting it play you. And, 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 and when that comes out, you bypass your ego system and your, your whole, your whole uh, uh, I'm, I'm in control system. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in control of this, I'm in control of that. I created this, I created that. No, 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 no. I simply... You know, let myself be taken by the music, you know, and that way uh, I, I could truly play what the music was telling me to play, as opposed to me trying to force my, uh, my identity, ego, or whatever, you know, what I practiced in my room that right. day, I'm going to play it. Right. I'm going to fit it in a song no matter <laughs> right. what. You know, I mean, you, you know, you, you, can't, you can't do that, man. You can't, you know, you you. You, no, no matter what you practice all day long, what you play at night on the bandstand involves other people, number one, music that can go in any direction because there's other people playing it. So that at that point, you've lost control. Mm-hmm. You've lost control, so you might as well give it up. And that way, the collective is bigger than any one piece. Mm-hmm. When people collectively let, pull themselves together, they become larger and more powerful a magnet than any one individual who might be a great musician, you know. A phenomenal total musician will never be as big and and as large and powerful and and magnetic that music has to be until he surrenders himself to the idea that he's part of of this whole thing, this whole music. Yes, that's beautiful. Wow. That's... that's, that's, uh, Play that pat part back over a few times, uh, Troubled Nation. Anybody who's a musician, that's uh, I can't think of better advice. You know, uh, I was so you're talking about contrivance. You have to get rid of contrivance, and I always think, you know, it, you want to leave space for God to walk in the room. That's I like to use these kind of 
you know, divine terminologies, but we're talking about the same thing. It's, you know, once you stop trying to force something and you relax, then things will happen that are more beautiful than anything you could contrive to do. That's the same thing in porno, too. Yeah. If you just relax, right. it'll happen. Uh, well, sure, yeah, tightening yeah, up is yeah, not going to yeah. help anybody in porno. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it can only go bad. <laughs> so, um, That's where lubrication comes in. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's all is, you know, lubrication, uh, uh, metaphorical and, and metaphysical and, and otherwise. Right. Now, so, Johnny, you, you've had a tremendous career. Uh, you know, you played with Professor Longhair, like many of the greats. Uh, Professor Longhair, um, James Booker. Uh, I remember I used to see you at, at Tyler's Beer Garden. You played several nights a week there back in the, uh, the 70s with, like, Red Tyler, you know, and another monster. Of course, you were already had James Singleton, your, your partner in, in uh, Astral Project, for 40 years now. Um, you know, Tony DeGride would be on a lot of those gigs. Steve Mazikowski, my, my first bass teacher, was on a lot of those gigs. Um, you played with Mose Allison, who's a, a huge, uh, you know, idol of mine. Um, yeah, what a, a tremendous career, man! It's, you have any any interesting stories from uh, from from any of those times, or being on the road with any of those guys? Anything come to mind? Is well, spill the beans. <laughs> you know, Fess was Fess was all, 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 always kicks. You know, he he uh, was very rhythmical and uh, very drum conscious. You know, I mean, so. Uh, when I first got on, on his band, you know, I realized right off the bat that he was going to be all over me because he played the piano in a very drumistic way, okay. in a very percussive way, very syncopated way, you know, very, you know, very, uh, lots of island, I think, influence, you know, yeah. Caribbean influence, but it was, it was funk. It was R&B, you know, there's no doubt about that. Right. Uh, and I, I realized right away that, you know, he, you know, he was going to be, because of the fact the nature of his style was drumistic, that I was, you know, I was going to be... I was going to be a central I was going to be exposed. I was, right. you know, I'm, I'm, I was going to have to watch my P's and Q's. I was going to have to be on top of it. And he, and he got on top of me. Yeah, he was on top of me, you know, so... That 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 was uh, uh that that was that was a that was a that was a very kind of uh, like a learning a learning time, yeah. serious kind of experience where I, where I thought you know I, I quickly realized that even though I was playing R and B, you know uh, he's very serious and this music is very serious, it's sophisticated. It's, it's very sophisticated, music. Yeah, yeah. regardless of the nature of the way it looks and sounds and like bluesy and funzy and all of that. It's very sophisticated and very specific. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, it was very easy to, you know, to, to fall outside and, and, and play something that, that would, it would totally not, 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 be, not, not be right if you thought about it. You had to l let the music pull you and listen to it and, su uh, again, surrender yourself to this music or else you wouldn't play it right, you know? Yeah. You had to let that music tell you what to play. Yeah. Because all the stuff that you're learning from books and teachers is not is not going to make it on the gig right now. Because that's not the music. The the, nope. the 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 stuff in the books is you can learn about your instrument. You can learn about the mechanics of music, but that's not the music. 
Yeah. Sometimes I walk around a hotel, man, you know, if I'm on a road and I, and I hear a cat inside of his room maybe practicing. And I, and I stand by the door. Knock on the door real hard. And I said, all right, look, now, I don't want you coming on the bandstand and playing that shit tonight. Yeah. Right? I hear you, man. Yeah. So in other words, you know, don't be taking, don't be taking your pre your pre ideas onto the bandstand because you don't know what's going to be happening. Right. You know, you don't know what's going to fit until right. till, till the Holy Ghost tells you what's going to fit and then you'll play it. Yes. Yes. Because yeah. like any conversation, we don't know what we're going to say next. You know, it's no. if, if, some, right. if you, it, it's a soliloquy. If you, you come out and, you, you know, that's not a and, conversation. And, 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 and so that, I guess that's where we, we you know, for so, so many times people start saying that, you know, people that are playing jazz, it's sort of like having a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Or any kind of music, really, you know. So, you know, yep. It, it, all, it, all, it all makes sense. There's so, much, so, much, so many parallels, you know. So at that time was uh, was Uganda Roberts on, on the on the band at that Yeah, Uganda was on on a band. We had a lot of fun. We went up to Canada. We hit, we we had a lot of fun and got in lots of trouble. And we were around New York City and went to the played the first punk club, a place called the Mud Club. Oh really? Yeah, with, it was in the alley. It never had a, yeah, with fest. Wow. They never had a sign. They never had a light. It was just a door you walked into down this alley. And inside there was this punk club. I'll never forget it. Anyway, uh, what they think of Fest at the Mud Club, man? Man, they were punks. They, you know, they loved it, it. Yeah, they loved it. it. You know, I mean, it was it was radical. You know, yeah, to man. them it was something they never heard before. Oh, I bet it was like yeah. you know seeing yeah. people from Mars. Uh -huh. you know? yeah, yeah. New Orleans is so insular. You know, it's like. You know, we know it here, but outside of New Orleans, it's especially take it up to New York. It's like, where did these people come from? Yep, and we looked like it too. Yeah, we looked like it too. <laughs> we, we, looked, we looked like it too. We, you know. Totally did not look like anybody in the club. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Manny, uh, maybe we should take a little break right now sure. and get another round. Yeah. So, uh, Nation, go get yourself another cocktail, and uh, we'll be right back. All right. <laughs> Try to stand. <laughs> <laughs> Try to stand, yeah, exactly. Try to stand if you can. Yeah. Exactly. And we're back. Back in the ring room. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I'm Renee Coman. Back with our guest, Mr. Johnny Vodakovich. Now, Johnny, we were talking about, uh, you know, your playing. I, I think of you uh, in, uh, you know, besides the, the openness, I, I think of you as a very melodic player. Um, now, how did that come about? Did you discover that? Were you a, a Max Roach? You know, Max Roach is, is known as a very melodic jazz drummer. You can, you know, you hear his solos and you can hear the melody in it. Now, people, I've heard you do this and many people, anyone familiar with you has heard you sit down at the drums, start playing the melody to a tune on the drum kit and we can instantly, within a couple of bars, know what tune it is. Well... If that 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 thing there is a combination of I got to know who's on the bandstand when I do that, you know, and, and somebody who knows me, you know, like I and a, a lot of cat and, and some some people who don't, you know, because the 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 the, the rhythmical uh, outline of the melody melody will be so uh 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 uh. uh Apparent, apparent, you know, uh, you know that even a guy might not even know me. But the cats that, that I've been playing with, they know me uh, well enough to know that I like to play with the rhythm of the melodies of so songs. You know, now where where did I get it from? 
Lots of places. Of course, Max Roach, somebody said, hey, man, you got to listen to Max Roach. He's very melodic. You know, I put two and two together, listen to him play. I hear the spaces. I hear the idea. Oh, the, uh, then again, no, the, oh, he repeated that rhythmical. Li- oh, it's a theme. Yeah, theme and variations. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, you can do it on the drums, too, you mm-hmm. know. And what's really about, cool about doing it on drums is you can hit anything. And as long as it really feels good and, 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 and your intention is really, you know, in, into the music, you can hit anything on the drums and it works because uh, there's no notes. You can't hit a wrong note. You right. know? So anything you hit sounds good if you really mean it. Right. You know, so I, you know, I had to, you have to have intention. Now, yeah, of course I listen to Max Roach and I also realized and I looked around at a lot of drummers and I saw that, man, there are a lot of drummers that could play way faster than I could. Mm-hmm. That was much faster, had more technique, more endurance, could play louder and stronger than than I was, and so I said, you know, I I got if, if I have to have an identity, man, I'm gonna have to, you know, it, it's not gonna be like that because I'll never be able to play that fast, that loud, that hard, yeah. you know, I'll I'll, ne- I'll, I'll never be able to do what he's doing you know i'll mm-hmm. never be able to do what buddy rich does or i'll never be able to achieve that level of uh uh uh, uh, uh you know exactitude uh, or something yeah, that's be, not the right you word, know but... uh, technique and okay. uh, you know all, all, all of those I, I won't be able to achieve that so what i'll have to do is develop uh my uh sense of of of, of melody rhythm and try to you know, make that the thing in my in my drumming that makes it personal or expresses myself. You know, and I I, I think I don't I know I didn't tell myself that. I just think that's the way it went. Yeah. You know, things went in that direction, and of course, you know, by the time I was uh, uh, eighteen, I, I realized how cool you know, like Thelonious Monk was, and how hip mm-hmm. the rhythms of his melodies were. Right. You know, and I realized also that wow, the drummer that plays with Thelonious Monk, he's really not not the good of a drummer in terms of drums. Like he's mm-hmm. a little sloppy. He's not very fast. But he really knows how to leave spaces and play off of Monk's melodies, mm-hmm. you know, and use them thematically, you mm-hmm. know, you know, rhythmic, the, thematic, rhythmically theme, thematic. And so, you know, um, I, 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 I think by, by the combination of wanting to ex- express myself I thought th- th- the melodic trip was 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 really a good avenue to take. Yeah, you know, to pursue. I think I'm glad I took that avenue. You know, and uh, 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 you know, I really, you know, for me, there's a big difference between being a drummer and being a musician. You know. And I, I had to make that slash mark because I knew I would never be some phenomenal drummer. That was not going to happen. Well, yeah. uh, the, you I know, would, but I know what you, I I know what you mean. And I think yeah, I became yeah. a pretty good musician. You know, I lucked out that way. Yes. You know, so I achieved what, you know, you know. The, Something more the, important than yeah, being Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah I, th- I think, I think I, you know. And, and, You're a pretty good drummer too, Johnny, uh, well, <laughs> if I may say. Uh, bro, I'm telling you, bro, this is arthritis, bro. Well, that, and, and that, that brings up uh, two points and then a third point. So I think the, the first two points is uh, about artistry. And I think 
the most important thing in artistry is developing a, a sense of humanity. And a lot of that comes from your abilities as well as your limitations. And, and you know, working within, recognizing what your limitations are and embracing those and doing something artistic within that is true artistry. And that's because it expresses your humanity. So, so Johnny's taking this all in, but I, yeah. I know you agree with me. I'm just, I'm just re I to, I'm paraphrasing I, 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 what you just I said. I totally agree because I mean, that, that, you know, that that's like you know, uh, allowing yourself to, uh, you know, uh, not o not overtake the situation, allowing yourself just to participate in in, in what's happening and participate without without trying to. Uh, 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 dominate. Dominate. Yep. Precisely. Now, trying to drive, drive, drive it in one direction that it ain't. Right, that don't but, feel right. All right, Johnny. Though, Doctor. isn't it true that drummers get laid the most? Uh, no, it, 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 it's it not? not because it's not? it takes too long to pack up your gear. Uh, but, but, <laughs> okay. but drummers always get laid. Yeah, that's well. That's what. Yeah, I'm getting. Yeah, okay. Because you know, I'm from LA, and I was in the music scene like in the early '80s, late '80s, and '90s, and stuff. And it always seemed to me that the drummers got laid, no matter what. Yeah. It, well, that's the no matter what part's the hard part to uh, you know stomach. Because you know, <laughs> uh, usually it'd be a, usually it'd be the end of the night. You know, the guy who's got the least gear, he's already packed up and and, and had three three drinks with this yeah, beautiful girl. The, the, but here you are, everybody's packed up, and there's this very strong girl. There you and go. And he said, hey, sweetheart. Can, can you, you help me out? Can you help me out? And there you go, bro. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Not, not only do you, you know, you, 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 make a, you make a hit, but you got you got somebody to help you trip. And trip you hit it later, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. 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 <laughs> no, I always thought this. I, I thought, because I, uh, I had a drum kit as a, like a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, but I, uh, I, I come from a long line of quitters. I just quit. <laughs> My dad was a quitter. His dad was a quitter. So I just quit the drums, you know, that kind of thing. So I never, I never, but I always appreciated the guys who didn't quit, you know, and stuff like, even though I got laid constantly in L.A., you know. You know <laughs> well, it's, it's L.A. So it's everybody eight, was cause, That's because you weren't packing up drums. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Standing around well, all that. Highly mobile. There's eight million people there, and, and half of them are women. <laughs> it only so takes my one. My odds are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the hairline is powerful. Yeah, and the higher heroin's good, yeah. yeah well, exactly. the heroin, too, but I was saying yeah. the hairline, but yeah. Oh, all, the hairline. Oh, yeah, the hairline. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said heroin. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very close to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. It's a short right, hike. So when does, okay, so you get out of the 60s, and what happens in the 70s? In the 70s, you? wow, man. I, I, I think the disco thing happened, and so blues bands became very popular back then. Again. You know, okay. they, they had an upsurgence of blues bands, you know. Because it was all anti-disco and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah more or yeah, less. Yeah, yeah, it was hard yeah, to get yeah. a, a disco gig because that was usually electronic or somebody playing records, spinning records. And, you well, know, yeah, 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 yeah. Beats yeah. per minute and all of that stuff. And right. dun, dun, you know. Uh, so, but and, you and, seem like a guy who wore a white tuxedo in the 70s, did you? Johnny was lucky to have a black tuxedo, I think. <laughs> no, right. but in the sixties in the sixties I had blue, oh, okay. gold, okay. red brocade. Oh shit. 
Okay. And maybe one other color. I, the, man, let me. You know, I, I had tuxedos, bro. Okay. Wow. Okay. But so fast forward to seventies. I hated them too. Yeah. Seventies <laughs> now. Seventies. It's blues, right? Is that, yeah. Yeah, it went back to yeah. You get a gig with a blues band because uh, the music scene is is is, is getting shot because of uh, disco. disco. Yeah. Yeah. So I started playing and with a lot of blues corporate rock. Bands. Corporate rock. Corporate rock. That was yeah. that was uh, yeah, yeah, was yeah, another with the, thing with the bell bottom pants and you know, and, 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 and I'm sure there was band, a lot of white and, tuxedos going and around. Albums then. released with no band members to look at. There you, you know, go. Yeah. There you go. Now, I just saw uh, just just was it like two days ago. I I was listening to some. I don't. Know, it was a classic rock station or whatever, mm-hmm. and they were talking. It was a morning drive thing, and they were talking about. Um, the whole corporate rock, how bands right. would, they, these record companies would release these albums where there was no band. Now, like Boston. Right. Like, okay. The, the, the band Boston. But weren't was they based, a band? I mean, they were a band I hated, but I think there was actually. No, in uh, fact, there was one guy, one guy who played everything in the studio, wrote all the, huh, co wrote okay. the songs. Yes. But when they were told to actually go out and play live, right. they just hired studio right. musicians. Right. Huh, if okay. you look at the liner notes and the, sle- the sleeves of the records and stuff, you never saw pictures of the musicians. Okay. The monkeys, that was one example. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. You but know, we're, we're, it, talk- it we're talking about, like, you know, back in the classic rock 70s where. You know, uh, these corporate Boston, and, and there was... Bo- a- Boston, I worked for that producer. Okay, what was he, it? Yeah, his he, name was... Um, his name was John Boylan. That's was it. the producer. Yeah. Yeah, and... What he, did you do was, for him, Johnny? Track, I, 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 I worked on, on, on a project that he was hired to do for CBS that was... you going, going back to that word, would you say corporate rock? Corporate rock, right. yeah. And he was given carte blanche, in other words, right. C- after, after Boston hit and made so much yeah, money... Yeah, a foreigner... Than like a they, band like they, gave him, they gave him just free reign to make a record with Angel Trosclair. Oh, okay, Angel Trosclair. Yeah, we yeah. went out to L.A. and made, I bet you, I got paid triple scale every day. Nice. Even when I didn't play, all I had to do was go hang around the nice. studio. <laughs> uh, Those are good uh, days, yeah. Uh, he, he hired the best players you could find. Snooky Young, Plaz Johnson, uh, uh, Joe Sample, Alfonso Johnson, uh, uh, Robin Ford, wow. Larry Carl. Alton, uh, Victor Feldman. I mean, he just hired oh, uh, Al Cooper. Uh, right. He just he just hired all of these great people uh-huh. man, and paid them all triple scale. Nice. Know? And the record was a corporate record that didn't get pushed, sat on a shelf, was was a write off. Wow. And I go. know, I know he spent over, I know he, and I know, take, uh, take into to, to account, I'm talking about 1979, yeah, yeah. he spent well over $75,000. $75,000? So it's got to be more than that, Johnny. <laughs> well, I would hope so. Just, <laughs> get a calculator just, just, out just making a record. Right, just okay. Just making a record. Okay. Nothing right. to do with nothing else. Right. You know, I'm. Not yeah. the special catering. No, uh, okay. no, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure the other million dollars went to the Coke. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. Oh, man. I thought you were going to say well over a million dollars, <laughs> well over 75,000. Yeah, he was cutting lines, yeah. At the end of the session, every, every yeah. night. And, and, and then he mixed it, and it sounds like the whole record sounds like yeah. it's all high end. It's all high end, because, you know, because never enough high end when you're doing enough blow. 
<laughs> okay, so, so the '70s happened, and you're yeah. you're you're back in your R&B roots, or your you know yeah, yeah. blues. Yeah, yeah. And then the '80s come around, and and what happens in the '80s? Um, in the '80s. You get married, you settle down, you have kids. I got married, I had a daughter, and uh, I worked a lot. I played with all kind of different jazz bands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're playing jazz this whole time. I did a lot of tripping. I did a lot of tripping to uh, uh, Europe. Okay. And played a lot of jazz festivals with a lot of jazzers. I played with Schofield for a long time. John Schofield, yeah, great guitar John player. John Schofield. Uh, you know, I played with a whole bunch of people, made a bunch of whole good records, uh, uh, made some decent money, traveled around the world a lot of times. You know? Okay. And, now you, you and, and, with, and the 80s was, was pretty crazy, you know? Now you played with uh, you played with Bobby McFerrin during that same yeah, time. Yeah, playing gigs with Bobby McFerrin. Yeah, he's the "Don't Worry, Be Happy" guy, right? Yep. And, but this is before he do, he "Don't Worry, Be Happy." This is you know prior to that. Okay, he's like a legit singer. No, Bobby's a fucking great jazz singer. Oh, yeah, he, he, he used yeah, yeah. to live in Tremendous. New Orleans. Him and his wife in a one room with two big dogs and uh, with an old broken Chevrolet, and uh, he used to play with this band. That's what my Astro wife calls Project. me. My wife Chevrolet. calls me an old broken Chevrolet. <laughs> yeah. So Bobby McFerrin, so you were playing with him when he was living in New Orleans. Now you you played with Chet Baker as well. I've recorded a record with Chet Baker, famous trumpet player. Tell us about that famous, uh, you know, uh, narcotics fan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's a, he was a terrible drunk. When was this? What? Did, I thought he died like. What well, no, he, he died in the 90s, I think. Oh, the late did he? 90s. Oh, really? Th- yeah, yeah. I think we made oh, God, I thought he died like in the 60s, that no, guy. No, 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 uh, Chet, no. No, 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 no. Man, I, you know, I saw this record, this uh, videotape. It was a film, actually. And Chet still looked like a baby, young. And, yeah. But it was, it was shot in black and white in, in Italy. And he's playing with all jazz players. And he's singing. And he has sunglasses on. And he has a giant microphone right in front of his mouth. And uh, this guy was this, sent this to me on social media and was saying, oh, I think, uh, you know, Lou Reed was probably influenced by this. I'm thinking, I think you're insane. You know, that, that uh, you know, this, uh, you know, he probably has these sunglasses on because his eyes are totally pinned or doesn't want anybody to see that he, he can't open his eyes. And then they do a, a camera shot from the side and you realize that even at this very young age, Chet had no front teeth. He'd already had his, his teeth knocked out. But he's playing the trumpet. Amazingly, he still had a, you know, that beautiful, delicate, fractured tone. Yeah. And you listen to those records that he made at that time. There's talk about economy of sound. There's so little going on as far as filling up the aural landscape, but it's all so pristine, man. Yeah. So was Chet, what, what, what kind of shape was he in he still had that he still could had that lovely soul that's the thing that's what we're talking about you know yeah he's very polite very smooth you know very elegant you know hardcore junkie but very nice about it you know and the record we made was christmas music Hmm. and it, 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 it was uh it was Produced in, by a saxophone player named Barcelona Red. His real name is Chris something. I can't remember. Hmm. 
and his dad went to school with Chet Baker, that, and so Chet was doing his dad a favor and, and making this record with, with, with Barcelona Red, and me and James Singleton and Michael Polero were hired to be the rhythm section. Where'd you make this record? Ultrasonic. Oh, in New Orleans, okay. Yeah. So we get up in the studio, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm... I'm in I'm in, in the drum booth on the far side of the room, you know, fixing the drums, adjusting stuff, you know. And uh, Chet Baker walks in. I can see it from the other side of the room through the glass, the big glass enclosure. And uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, he shakes hands, shakes hands with Michael, and and then he walks. He puts his trumpet down in 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 the room he's going to be in. Before he even plays his trumpet, he walks straight across the room. Very took him a long time too. It was like a lope. He's yeah. tall, skinny, white Oklahoma <laughs> boy, fair skin, you know, and blonde hair. It's just kind of lopes, and he's coming straight for the drum booth, you know. Right at you. And I'm looking, and, and, and he pulls open, you know, the side of the drum booth. He says, "Hi, I'm Chet." I said, "I'm John." He says, "Good man." Do you know what? Do you know where you can get something for pain? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Cutting right to the chase. Did you? Well, did he, you? Well, I made as many phone calls as I could. You know. Well, you know. He, so John, he he looked around the room and he thought, who would know here? Right, right, okay. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> I know. I know who to talk to. Put his horn down. Put everything down. And took this. You know this. Man, it looked it, it very looked determined. Like something, yeah, it looked like something out, out, out of a Warner Brothers movie. Man, the way he walked across like that high noon, that yeah, big yeah, big floor. You know? <laughs> I, I could see him coming, lope, loping at me, man. Like, <laughs> loping at me. Yeah, and you told him that you you gave him Carlos' number. Carlos Nucio's number. Yeah, yeah. I made my phone calls. Right yeah. on. Right on. Well, you know, yeah. you're nothing if not accommodating, Johnny. Yeah. Oh, about, Okay, wait, the story ain't over. So, okay, okay. Now, 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 now we play the session. All Christmas, we go through like 25 Christmas songs, you know, and it's in the middle of August, too, by the mm, way. Right. Okay, and, and, and so, you know, it, you, know, we've, we, you know, we go through all these tunes, you know, and uh, the session's over, and Barcelona Red, who was a street musician, he, pay, he played on the street, opened uh-huh. his case for money, you know. But, uh, but anyway, so he says, uh, you know, the session was open, uh, over, and... and, and, and uh, you know, I said, see you later, see you later, and all that. And he tells me, James, and, and Michael, you know, the three guys that meet me and a piano player and a bass player. He says, oh, oh yeah, your, money, your money's over there on top of the Leslie, you know, the speaker cabinet. Mm-hmm. And so we walk over to the, to the, to the Leslie, me, James, and, me, and Michael, uh-huh. and it's three piles of $1 bills. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> he, paid, he paid us $100 a piece and $1 bills. Oh, he Jesus. paid Chet and the MG, you know, a car. What is he like? Uh, uh, Ray Christ, Charles man. getting paid a one oh, one dollar yeah, bill. This, this was a real street pro- uh, street project production. Yeah, yeah, Street production. So did this record get, ever get released? Uh, yeah, it got released. It got it got bought. It got resold. It was illegally this, illegally that. You right. know, it, was, it went through all kind of stuff like that. Chet Baker's Christmas great record. Album. Uh, it's, it's called Silent Nights. It's called yeah. It's no probably, one listens. It's so probably, silent, no one probably, listened to it. Right? Great, no, it's good. It's, it's probably good a great record, record man. Real good record. Oh no, because what a great band! You know, you and James Singleton 
have have been a, a rhythm section partnership since the, since the late 70s because I remember seeing you guys yeah. when I was maybe 15 you know yeah. it's, it's when I, f- I first saw y'all playing you've been together since then you still play an astral yes. project together yes. and we were talking about this on the ride over the, the the level of telepathy that you can develop with people after 30 or 40 years and I was saying well that's why I, I can't get out of the iguanas because I don't have enough time left on the on the timeline to develop this with anyone else and you you know you're in the same boat but you for have sure. but, but it's to a degree that it is to to a, 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 a noticeable degree that you feel it and you know it oh yeah no it's it's you, you it's I, I cherish it because yeah. it, it's 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 so intimate it's you know a, a, a being in a band is like being in a marriage and except with four or five or you know several people and i say the parallel is instead of sex we have music it's the same thing it's it's the same spiritual you know quasi spiritual uh exercise or you know communal coming together and so talk about that talk about you know being in well, this band for 40 well, years uh, what's what's lu- lucky about that is for example if you if you take the, the example of me and james we're lucky that we uh have played so many different kinds of gigs together that our experiences are very you know wide so uh we've learned how to quickly uh play together what's happening at the moment and who's ever in front of us we like to say let's polish this guy let's make him sound good mm-hmm. you know so and that's one of our, our main goals as two guys playing together that telepathy of playing together we we know that's in place that's set. Right, right. all we have to do is really listen and uh, things that we have been doing for over 40 years will will, will they're gonna work Right. We trust them, we believe in them, we have faith, we surrender ourselves to the things that we have together. Right. And, that, and the things that we have together are little uh, uh, functions, procedures, mechanical things that you, that, that you do to adjust to make certain music sound away, and me and James can do it together. Right. And we're lucky. Now, there's some musicians who go their whole life and they're great musicians, phenomenal players, but they never experience that feeling or that height that altitude that you get when you that you play with somebody that you have this magic with that when he makes a left you it's like shadow dancing shadow boxing Mm -hmm. you know he makes a left you make a left you know you know you know you you know it's like yeah it's like shadow boxing with somebody you know right and and and, uh and uh we do it so well that that it's automatic you know we don't question it and it's a beautiful thing some musicians go through life and they never get to experience this they get to experience playing playing with good players but they never experience this little magic intimacy what two guys can do together that's bigger than any one individual right you know some musicians can all their life they they, but they just don't they don't have that so luck, that luck that luck lucky opportunity to meet somebody play with somebody and then over a period of time over 40 years that they have been doing it whoa they're not there's not a great percentage of musicians that have that so what kind of name is chet what is that short for um chester maybe chester I don't yeah, know. I would imagine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Chester, I forgot that. Yeah. 
Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know where I came up with that, but I think that's a pretty yeah, good guess. Well, yeah, Chet. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, I think Chess. Because Manny is short for Manuel, right? Manuel. Manuel, okay. Come on, get it right, man. I don't know. I'm just, that's why Jeez. I'm asking. I'm Jeez. asking, man. She's a simple name, man. I know, because I know Johnny is, is uh, long for John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Renee is short for... No, what? actually, so Renee is, uh, you, know, you, you know, my family calls me Ray, right? Right, yeah. And it's, but it's not R-A-Y, because, it's R-E with an accent. It's, it's d- d- a diminutive. How special is that? It's a dim- yeah. <laughs> I know, is I'm that very queer. in the handicap space It's a diminutive like that? that my parents came up with. It's, If you're European, that's the way you would pronounce R-E. Yeah, well, if you're French, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, God, I had a thought, Johnny, and, and I, I lost it here. Um, what were Alzheimer's, we Alzheimer's, Renee, come look, on. Look, Alzheimer's, I, I, I can I, see I, the glasses I, fogging I, I, up already. I, I, I was, I was, uh, we, we had the last podcast with, uh, with the great uh, Damien Youth, and I was telling a story about Tom Petty being in the studio and trying to replicate a demo that he had done. And I told the story, and I couldn't think of Tom Petty's name. And I'm picturing Tom Petty, and it took me, you'll hear it on the, the, pod, the previous podcast. I'm going back in time now. But I swear to God, I, I, I have so many stutters. You know, you can hear I have them now. It's Johnny. It's kind of it's a, bill, it's a given with me. <laughs> but I live that way, bro. Yeah, you live that way. Yeah. <laughs> One step forward, two stutters back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's all right. No, Johnny, you know, it, I remember what I, what I wanted to, to talk about. One thing I wanted to touch on is when I see you playing the drums, it looks like you're dancing behind the drum kit. The physicality of music. Now, I, I, I studied is with Is that or you just have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> so, Keep lights, stay lights, stay afloat. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the thing... You just reminded me of something else about music is, okay, two things I, I remember now. One thing I was, uh, is that the more you try, it's like, I feel like it's uh, like a drowning man. Like the more you try, you become less buoyant. The more you stop trying, you realize that you actually will float if you stop splashing around. You won't wear yourself out. So that's a, a, something I know you understand. Mm-hmm. But the, so I, st- I was a st- still a student of Steve Mazikowski, and he was living with Emily Remler, the great Emily Remler. And I would get like a free lesson from her because she was just in the house, and I, I would bring my neighbor who was started, had what started. What kind of lesson from Emily? Uh, a music lesson. So, so I, I'd started. Are you uh, sure about that? For sure, yeah. And I remember I was saying, well, you know, I'm having, she goes, well, what, what do you want to play? And it's like, well, you know, I, I, I'm having uh, trouble learning to, to swing in three, like to walk in three. Because like when you play a walking bass line in four, it's, you know, it's, it's easy. You know, you're used to doing that. And I, I said, you know, I keep getting lost in, in, the, in, in the time, walking in three. And she goes, well, why don't you just try like leaning on the one, like shifting your weight. One, two, three, one, two, three. Like, try doing that. And I did it, and it, it immediately it clicked. And I was like, wow, like making it physical. You know, and that's something I see you doing playing. Like, you'll, you lean in 
to to shift the time a little bit, you'll lean back to to uh, mm-hmm. to to change the time very subtly. You know, mm-hmm. you you you. Mm-hmm elongate the length of your stroke mm-hmm. and that affects the time talk yes. about that is that well, something innate or you just I, I, discovered yeah, that yeah yeah you know I, I, I try to make sure that uh, you know, especially when I'm teaching but I try to you know really this is the way I see it my body is, is, is really the drums mm-hmm. the stuff in front of me is expensive noisy loud shiny intimidating looking stuff but I am the actual drum. Mm-hmm. It's what I do that that makes, hopefully, turns into music through this stuff, mm-hmm. all this equipment, right. shiny, expensive, noisy stuff. Don't even have notes, right. but yet I got to make music out of it. So I know that my body is the actual instrument. And yes, I am dancing for sure. It's like tap dancing on, to, on, on this instrument. You know, and that's the way I really look at it. Uh, 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 and I don't think in terms of down, like hitting down. I'm not, I think I'm pulling sound out of the instrument. I'm sucking sound out of it. So, uh, uh, it, it, you know, and, and, and I, I, I bypass the whole that my body is got to be told something to do to the instrument and just think as if the instrument has a mouthpiece and I'm blowing air through it, you know, and, and, you, and follow my mouth. Boom. Boom. Now, anything I hit on a drum set, that's going to sound good because it sounds good in my mouth and it feels good in my body. Could that do? Anything I hit will sound good because what I just did felt good and it was real. It was really from the inside of my heart and beyond. So I'm dancing on the drums. I'm, I'm basically tap dancing on the drums trying to, trying to stay buoyant so that I, I, I can pull the sound out of the drum and not stay down. I'm trying to stay buoyant. I'm trying to stay above. So I am basically kind of tap dancing, you know. And, and, and old men used to say when, it, when, when a drummer had good touch and he got around the drums well, you know, it's, you know not loud but sparkling, kind of crispy, mm-hmm. snap, crackle, pop. They'd say that he, that, yeah, man, yeah, man, he'd be tippy-toeing. He's tippy-toeing. <laughs> and that meant that he was kind of like tap dancing on the drums. Yeah. Tippy-toeing is what they called it. Not pounding. Right, not pounding. Exactly. <laughs> Tippy-toeing. <laughs> Playing real cool stuff, you know, and, and up. And you're picking up, pulling that stuff out of the instrument. Your body is the instrument that this is just a, a bunch of stuff. Just a tool. Yeah, it's just a tool. You re, your body has to dance. It has to sing. It has to be full of air. It has to be full of music and open to the music that's around you, so you can, that can go through you, and the music can come out as a whole, which you're a little part of. It, it stands a better chance for the music to come out great, you know. If you can make that surrender, you know, and realize that you're the instrument. Wow, John! Excellent. God. Well, I think uh, I don't know. I, I think he said it all. I, yeah, can, I, I could I, keep yeah, rephrasing yeah, this, but yeah. I, I think you know it's yeah. a great note to close on, Johnny. Thank you so much. 
Thanks Thank for you. having me. Man. Oh man, this yeah. is a dream come true. You know, yeah. it's, 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 you, you've been a great teacher of mine. You know, I, I studied with you. Uh, you've one of a long line of great teachers, and God bless you, man. You know, likewise, likewise to you and, and, and your whole family. Oh, you're so sweet, man. And just remember this: Satan, 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 Satan. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you too, man. Well, you know, and, uh, I hope to see you again, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Johnny, on the Trouble Men podcast, we like to say uh, trouble never ends. Uh, but the struggle continues. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs> Love you, Johnny. Peace.